you know, so I said I was going to spend the summer. Then six weeks later, I called my parents and I said, I'm not going back. I'm staying in San Francisco. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to find a school that will take me. And this is where I want to live my life. That was Rochelle Canigal, chair of the journalism department at SF State and author of the Diversity Style Guide. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, Rochelle shares the story of her life with us. She grew up in suburban New Jersey, just outside of New York City. She didn't relate to her surroundings and, as a teenager, found herself going into the big city every chance she got. After brief stints at two colleges, she came to San Francisco for a few weeks to visit her brother. But she was so in love with it here that she never left. Check back Thursday for part two. Here's Rochelle. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, um, and I grew up, um, so I lived there for six and a half years and then moved to um, a town in New Jersey called Fairlawn, which was a suburb of New York City. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with um, Eastern European Jewish um Eastern European Jewish background. Mm-hmm. My parents were, my father ran a small business, a metal refinishing business, and my mother was a teacher at times and was, she worked for my father's business a little bit. And what did she teach? Um, That's well, her, it's funny because she didn't teach a whole lot, she was mostly substitute teaching, mm-hmm. but she loved English literature. Mm-hmm. And she was um, a, and it's funny even that I mentioned her as a teacher because I don't know why, I, but I think that that's how she saw herself even though she didn't teach a whole lot. Um, she had three kids very spaced out. So okay. my brother's 15 years older. My, oh, wow. My younger older brother is eight years older and then me. Okay. So she was raising kids for a long time. Yeah, roughly every eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... Exactly, and so, um, and then she she did bookkeeping for my father's business, mm-hmm. um, but she raised us as, in this environment where she was always like reading poetry to us and mm. exposing us to Shakespeare and um, and I think that was a big part of her identity. And then she actually did a, a little bit of writing too. She she wrote. My brother was. Um, an editor on a, a publication in Baltimore, and she wrote some sort of memoir-type stories about um, her background. Her and own stuff life. Like that. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, do you know where that came from in, for her? Where this sort of love of literature and... I think from poetry. her mother. Her mother wasn't college-educated, but she was a big reader. Okay. And um, But yeah, my mother was just like crazy about words like everything having to do with words she loved scrabble she loved um uh as they say poetry literature jane austen dickens i mean it sounds yeah. like i would be friends with her <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest. yeah she, she was, sounds like someone i would really get along with yeah yeah she she was a pretty cool woman and quite a character yeah, yeah, and so she passed that along to you and all, and your, both of your brothers? Uh, well, one of, I, I would say both of my brothers have done some writing. One of my brothers is a, is a 
has been a professional writer for most of his life uh, and has written a lot of books. He writes um, biography. It, I can't really say what he writes because every book is different, but okay. he has written a number of biographies of um, Jane Jacobs mm. and um, um, Frederick Winslow Taylor mm -hmm. and... Um, Published um, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Robert Camgold is his name. Is he? Is, does he consider himself a writer first and foremost? Oh yeah, sort oh, of? yeah absolutely. That's no, profession. that's what he does for a living. That's what okay. he's done yeah, okay. most of his career. What was it like to grow up with two older brothers? Um, one of whom you said was fifteen, and one was eight years older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was it? Well, I guess just what was that like? Yeah. So, well, my and, old... and I guess, and I guess maybe um, tied to that question explain to folks what this we just said Fairlawn mm -hmm. um New Jersey what like what that was like yeah so um so my brothers really grew up in Brooklyn and I grew uh, up in New Jersey oh right and and my older brother Robert went to college when he was 16 okay. so I was just a baby when he left the house mm -hmm. and he basically never came back so mm -hmm. um so he he and I didn't really have a relationship till I was in my 20s okay um I mean, I would see him, but it, but he felt more like a cousin, you know, because we didn't really grow up in the same house. Yeah, that age difference is definitely significant. Yeah, until a certain yeah. like when you said when you're. And now 20s. we're close now right? now because we actually have a lot in common, and you know, I became a writer and he was a writer, and um, you know, we have a lot of interests in common and things like that, but. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a typical brother-sister relationship. And then my brother Harry left when I was about, he was sort of in and out of the house from the time I was about, you know, nine or 10. And so. Because that would have been the end of his yeah, high, roughly he, high school years. Yeah, he went to boarding school for a year or two and then he went away to college and then, and then he moved to San Francisco. Oh. which is how I ended up here. Oh, okay. So We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, and as I say, I grew up in this town that um, never really related to. It was mm. this suburban town and... Um, Working class, would you say? It, or? No, it was more of a middle class mm -hmm. um, town, very white, mm -hmm. Very, uh, very Jewish. It was mm. about half Jewish, about mm -hmm. 40 or 50 percent Jewish. And I thought it was the most boring place in the mm. entire world. You even as a child, you as know, a child, young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you knew that. Okay. I, I just thought it was really, uh, I felt very confined there. I felt very, um, um, like there was just sort of one way to be. Mm -hmm. I uh, and I was very aware of how an undiverse place it was. I was even gonna, growing up. There. I was going to ask, you know, what was your exposure to not that? Would it be TV, magazines, radio, like um, media? You know. Well, I lived near or, New York City, or just New and York so, City being yeah, right there. That'll yeah. do it. <laughs> and so, um, from the time I was about, you know. 12 13 14 i would go into the city with my friends and then i had a boyfriend who lived in new york city from the when i was about 16 17 so i would spend a lot of time in new york and it was such a contrast mm -hmm. to the town that That'll i grew do up it, in for and, sure yeah and i just felt like i would cross that bridge the george washington bridge and i would feel alive and i would feel okay. like you know 
it was so um, vibrant and such an exciting place. And, and the town that I grew up in, like I say, it just felt very boring and confining. It was a version. I, I'm just like kind of drawing a picture in my head. You're you're crossing that bridge, and it's a version of these are my people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's also this is my place. Right. Or- Although, um, for me, I really had that kind of feeling when I came to San Francisco. So I can tell which, you Which we'll about. talk about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. I'll hold off on that. Um, can you give us a rough, like a decade that that you're talking about? When you are when you said you are like 13, 14, uh-huh. start, first starting to come to the city. Yeah. Okay, so this is the 70s. This is the 70s, And obviously yeah. New York was everywhere. It was different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that, there's kind of like a, I don't know, like a kernel or a, like an essence of New York that really hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was like that. Yeah. Um, what kind of things would you would you do when you came to the city? My favorite thing to do even then was just walking the streets of New York City. Like pe- and I, people watching. Yeah, people yeah. watching. I mean, I went to museums. I went to Broadway shows. I went to you know off Broadway, more avant garde kind of shows. I went to some jazz clubs when I was a little oh. older. Okay. You know, um, mm-hmm. And but. But really the thing that I, I loved and to this day love um, is just walking the streets of New York City. It's one of the best places I know to do that. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, okay, so can we hear a little bit about, and I'm sorry to drag you back to that place that you didn't <laughs> like, but you know, um, maybe in addition to, your, you mentioned that your mom would read you poetry and expose you to that, that mm-hmm. sort of, but what was home life like for you? I was just dying to get out. The whole time? <laughs> yeah, you had one the whole time. I... And I actually left a year early. Okay. Um, I left high school after my junior year. I found a college that would had an early admissions program. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I, I wanted to do. I love that, though, because there's, you know, the whole scripted path. It works for some people, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work for everyone, and it doesn't have to work for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So I, okay. I was pretty. Un- I mean, I got good grades. I was mm-hmm. a straight A student, but I didn't work very hard. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't. You didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel. I just wanted to get the hell out of there. Okay. Yeah. Well, was it ever? You know, was it scary to get out to leave early? Um. Or was it just something that was so set in your head? I was. You're... It was so set in my head. It was a little bit scary. I remember my my mother planned this um, quote surprise party, although she told me about it with my friends. and And I remember um, thinking, "What am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. should I be, you know, just leaving high school?" And 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 you know, so I had that moment of panic, but yeah, for the most part, it felt right. It just felt like I needed to. It would be unusual leave. if you didn't, yeah. I feel like, right? Yeah. It, and maybe just to check yourself and to kind of reaffirm why you're doing this and right. Yeah. Um, and so, so where did you go? So I went to Stony Brook for a year. It was, I think it was then called SUNY Stony Brook, so State University of New York at Stony Brook. And then it, um, it, um, I think it's now called Stony Brook University. So I went there for a year, and as I say, the main criteria was that they would take me after my junior year of high school, which mm-hmm. I don't think too many places would have done. Um, so I went there for a year. And you're maybe 17 or so? I'm 17, okay. yeah. 
And then then I went to McGill. I transferred to McGill University in Montreal. Okay. Which um, I really liked. I was so I was at Stony Brook for a year. I was at McGill for a year. And then um, did you already speak French? I didn't. Okay. And in fact, it was a tough time to. I took French classes and I tried to speak French, but it was um, it was a time and place where any time a non French speaker would try to speak French there, people would speak English, English automatically because yeah. they just they just kind of figured you were a clueless Canadian who hadn't bothered to learn French. Um, so no, it was, and it was sort American. of po political. It was at a time when yeah. um, Quebec was talking about seceding from Canada. And, um, I feel like they always are. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but also, I've never, I've never been to Montreal. I've kind of been fascinated mm. by it. How, how was it? How did uh, you? Montreal was fabulous. It yeah. was, um, it was beautiful. It was um, cosmopolitan. I loved the the French, the Quebecois. I loved um, I loved being in a big city. McGill is right in the middle of downtown Montreal, mm -hmm. and um, is it know, one of those cities and... that feel European? Uh, yes, that thing, yeah, it does. That yeah, thing, which just means they have a, like a good subway and and they have cafes. <laughs> they have and, cafes, and, and even exactly. though it's really cold, like you know, in April it was freezing, but the the cafe tables would come out on the street and um yeah so yeah i loved Sidewalk montreal culture. and i loved mcgill and it was great um did you go in knowing what you were gonna study already or no, did you figure that out no in fact i think at one point i think i applied as a psychology major but i never mm. took a psych course okay <laughs> um at one point i was an english major i was thinking about film well, and then I'll tell you how I came to journalism, but yeah. okay, is that is that not right? That no, then? that's that's the next step. So what what did you end up graduating or no no okay. no? So then, I um, my brother, my younger older brother, had been semi estranged from my family for several years. Mm -hmm. He lived in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. We kind of knew he was there. Every now and then, we'd get a postcard or something. Do you know what him. brought him out here? I'm not sure, but I think he was looking to get as far away from Fairfax. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and so, so anyway, he reestablished contact with my parents. They went to see him. And so I said, I'm going to California. I'm going to visit my brother. I haven't seen him in years. And what year was that? That was 1980. May, okay. So May 6, 1980, I got on a... Um, a world airways flight to um to san francisco actually it was to oakland and then i had to take bart and he met me at the bart station and um and i the plan was that i would visit for two weeks and just you by yourself yes okay just me by myself so at this point i'm 19 mm -hmm. and and i um you know, that was the plan. I would visit him for two weeks. And my first day in San Francisco, I said, I'm spending the summer here. Okay. And um, then six weeks <laughs> what I, later. What I really mean is 12 weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I, uh, six weeks later, I call my parents. Or, or, you know, so I said I was going to spend the summer. Then six weeks later, I call my parents and I said, I'm not going back. Okay. I'm staying in San Francisco. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to find a school that will take me. 
and this is where I want to live my life. This We're is... going to have to unpack that, Rochelle, because <laughs> this is that's what our podcast is all about. <laughs> I mean, there, you know, for for um, folks who are born and raised and are still there, even if they went away, it's like, well, what? Why didn't you go somewhere else? Um, and then for transplants, like you and, and like myself, it's it's what drew us there in, in, in the mm-hmm. first place that I'm really fascinated with. So what what the hell happened okay. that summer? So that summer, um, first of all, I, I just felt instantly in love with San Francisco, with the city, with everybody I met. I felt like I was home. I felt like it had um, people I could connect with. I A few weeks after... I got there. Well, I was staying with a friend. My brother lived in a very tiny little place. So he and where was uh, that? That was in. uh, I'm trying to remember where he lived because he lived in a couple of places. Um, Neighborhoods are fine if you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember if it was like the Tenderloin or just north of the Tenderloin, like Mm. Tender Knob. Some Some, people call it Tenderloin. Yeah, Tender Knob. Yeah. 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 uh, He was living around there in a tiny, tiny little place. Around like Polk in California. Yeah, yeah. That sort of area, but I can't remember where it was. Mm -hmm. He later moved to a different place. Um, So he was living there. A friend of his was living in an old bakery in the mission and had some other woman staying there and and just it was just sort of like a warren of little rooms and so there was like a mattress on the floor and and he let me stay there for free okay for for what was supposed to be two weeks (laughs) (laughs) and then um he took me to a contra dance this friend of my brother's took me to a contra dance and then at the contra dance i met this guy and we started dating and mike sorry what's a yeah. con- i'm not familiar oh, contra with what dance. Contra, yeah. contra dance is um it's sort of like a folk dance emanating from the british isles i can't remember whether it was scotland or england or but it's it's a dance it's it's similar to Sort of like a square dance, but it's done in a line. Okay. And um, so, like a a group. A group. Dance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he he had taken me to this contra dance, met this guy, started dating him, and he took me to the Gorilla Grotto. Oh, okay. And the Gorilla Grotto was this bookstore, coffee house, salon. Uh, it was, it was totally San Francisco. Founded in the 70s, I got there in 1980, but, you know, it was very much a 70s San Francisco kind of place. Mm-hmm. Very alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of interesting people. Just every night they would have some kind of program, and it could be, um, you know, someone talking about being a spy or someone talking about... Um, um, polyamory Mm -hmm. um or someone talking about bondage and Mm -hmm. you know relationships in a bondage you know kind of uh, situation Mm -hmm. i mean it was just wild Mm -hmm. it was just political too political Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. and it was run by this guy named gary warren who was this unbelievable character came out of west virginia came to san francisco was interested in everything um 
And so he decided that he would open up this bookstore cafe, bring in people, have these programs, get people talking. He loved provoking people, so he would, mm. you know, he would bring in sort of provocative characters. Mm -hmm. He was also involved in, in um, starting a group called the Suicide Club, oh, yeah. which became the Cacophony Society. Right. Which... We've had John Law on the Oh, on really? The oh, yeah. John Law was one of the people I hung out with. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there's another connection. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, John Law was quite a character. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I found the Gorilla Grotto probably, you know, three or four weeks after I got here. And that was wow. definitely part of the I'm never going back here. And that yeah. was through this guy that you had started dating. That right. You found Gorilla Grotto. Okay. Found the Gorilla Grotto. Right? Okay. And then I ended up moving into a house with Gary, this Gorilla Grotto founder, and um, my boyfriend at the time, Bruce, and another woman. And so our house sort of became when the gorilla grotto closed our house sort of became this salon for mm. people to gather almost like an annex or a, a yeah. continuation of that yeah. of whatever was actually happening exactly what did your brother think um is he like <laughs> oh okay cool <laughs> or like um or were you seeing him yeah long? i saw him from yeah. time to time i think he wasn't he didn't really like the crowd I was running around with, but um, yeah, he was he was fine. He ended up moving not too long after I got there. Out of Mo San Francisco. Moving out of San Francisco. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's like yeah. he served his purpose of getting you here. So yeah. So anyway, it was it was a really fun time. I did figure out that like I did feel like I needed to go back to college. Okay. So I applied to San Francisco State. I think I must have come in on this thing that we have called Open University, where you can just take classes until you oh. get accepted. Okay. Um, so I started that fall mm -hmm. um, at of San Francisco 80. State of 1980. Okay. And um, I was, you know, casting about trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I took a journalism class. And kind of on a whim or? Kind of on a whim. Okay. You know, my brother was, at that point, he was a writer. And I thought, oh, do, do I want to do something with that? Mm -hmm. I took this journalism class. And it was the same kind of epiphany, like, this is it. Mm. I'm in love. This is what I'm born to do. Okay. Um, and it was funny because it was taught by this old guy who was about to retire. And um, we we had um, manual typewriters. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a little manual typewriter at each desk. Mm -hmm. And it was it was very old school. At that time, the department was all white men mm -hmm. there was one lecturer who was a woman mm. um we'll get to that yeah we'll get to that <laughs> there's a lot of we'll get to that <laughs> but, no, but anyway, I'm, just, I'm just thinking yeah. you said a lot of the typewriters it's you know at the time and today and throughout um the journalism school was it was mimicking a newsroom that's mm -hmm. you know that's that was the world yeah that those that the, the yeah inhabited what was it about that class or you know what drew you in i'm trying to i don't really know um i think it was a combination of i loved talking to people and asking questions that was that was a big part of it because i don't know what you're talking about that's foreign to me <laughs> 
<laughs> like I just loved I, I was a very curious person and mm -hmm. I loved asking questions but I was also f somewhat shy and mm -hmm. so if I had a reason to ask people questions mm -hmm. then I, I don't know it was like it was like someone had given me a license to the be ticket, nosy. The ticket yeah. to, to do that. And then I also wanted to, you know, to tell stories about what was really going on in the world. And, you know, to talk to people who didn't get spoken to very much, to mm -hmm. go into people's lives and share what they were going through, the problems that they had, the, you know... Um, it was just so, so um, fulfilling to me mm -hmm. to be able to kind of be a vehicle or a, a you know, someone who could share the stories that conduit. weren't. Yeah, conduit. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. That weren't, that weren't getting told. I just loved So you that. already had that at, at, at the yeah. time that you were going to school. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I Not just writing on, uh, you know, ex-celebrity or yeah not no, to disparage any type of that. journalism but yeah. it's very different than yeah but i was very interested in serving real the underserved human stories mm -hmm. and serving the underserved and 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 giving people voice i was mm -hmm. very very much i had this sense that you know i could talk to people write something up share their story and then you know give that give voice to to that story that might not get told. So did you actually graduate with a journalism degree I did, from yeah. state? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, so that class got you in and yep. you're like this so is what I'm going to do with in. my college time. Right. And so I ended up journalism major. I worked on the student newspaper which at that mm. time was called The Phoenix. It wasn't The Express. No, we actually had com two competing newspapers. Oh. So we healthy had, competition. Yes, yes, it was great. And so we had The Phoenix. Towns had two newspapers, a lot of them. Yes, we yeah. Did. Yeah, San Francisco yeah. did and yeah, so it was very much um I think we came they came out Golden Gator came out on Tuesday and the Phoenix came out on Thursday. I think that was right. You know, okay. It's the other way. But anyway, you know, and we were head-to-head -head competitors. And okay. It was, it was very lively competition. And Do those archives exist anywhere? Yeah. That's cool. God, I'd love to, I'd love to like, come explore. Visit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You could definitely come by and That's so just, cool. Yeah, we have these stacks and stacks, and, uh, not, well, stacks of shelves of, um, Bound newspapers and bound magazines. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so um, now let's let's have you you graduated. Mm -hmm. Now what? So the year before I graduated, so I ended up taking three more years to finish college. But, okay. But in April of my second year there, I saw a job for <laughs> a copy editor. At this little newspaper called the San Francisco Progress. And when you say saw, you mean in the newspaper, maybe? The, the, you know, the it's funny. I don't know where I heard about it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a job board? Maybe a job board? I don't know. Yeah. And it was this kind of like a shopper, you know? It was mm. like, it was a community newspaper. Um, it came out three times a week and um, covered, covered the city of San Francisco and everybody got it it was just tossed on your doorstep mm -hmm. and people would have signs on their 
front porches or like in front of their houses saying, please do not deliver <laughs> the progress. Right. Um, and, and at one point they wanted to give me some extra hours. So I worked one day a week in circulation. And it was all about, could you stop delivering yeah. this newspaper? Yeah. That's how well-loved the San Francisco Progress was. But, but truthfully, there were some people who read it, I'm sure. Right. There yeah. must have been. Yeah. And um, You got the job copy editing And then, so I got or? a job copy editing. I thought, oh, this is a crappy little newspaper. I guess I'll, I'll just see it as a summer job, and then I'll go back to school. But while I was there, they said, well, do you want to you know, do some reporting? So I started covering stories. And even though it was this crappy little newspaper that nobody read, I was able to go to press conferences with Mayor Diane Feinstein. Mm -hmm. And I would I was covering um what we used to call the homeless. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and so I did a lot of stories about people living on the streets. For this little shopping and, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I mean, it what like I say, it, it was a lot of ads, but it, it actually did have, you know, content, too. And mm -hmm. so that was a time, so now we're talking 1983, 82 to 84, mm -hmm. 1982, 83, 84. And so um, that's when homelessness was really starting to be identified mm -hmm as a problem in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It was very different from what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very interesting. And so I spent a lot of time talking to people who were living on the streets, living in the parks. Mm -hmm. um, I also, what else was I doing? I'm trying to remember other stories. I can't really remember in great detail, but, but I spent a lot of time doing that. And so I ended up staying there. and. And it was kind of cool because everybody was, most of my friends from journalism school were getting these jobs out, either out in the suburbs for daily newspapers or out in other parts of the country. Yeah. And I was in San Francisco writing about homelessness and you writing got to about. Stay. Yeah, I got so to stay. So you were very happy about it. So I was actually happy, but I did get antsy after a while. I wanted to work for a bigger newspaper, a better newspaper. So I did end up getting a job um, in uh, the Tri Valley area. So that's okay. um, Pleasanton, Livermore, San Ramon, mm -hmm. Dublin, that area. Mm -hmm. So. Um, did you move out there or did you stay living I in San Francisco? I moved to Oakland. Okay. So then I moved to Oakland. And that was hard because it was like moving from San Francisco to Oakland at the time broke my heart. That was Rochelle Canigal. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, hear the conclusion of Rochelle's story, including how she went about putting together the Diversity Style Guide. Part two drops Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 180 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review the show so we can reach even more folks. We love email, and we'd love to hear from you. 
drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.